So this morning, we are continuing uh, in the series that is connected to our theme for the year for our church, which is Thriving by Abiding. Thriving by Abiding. And uh, last week as we started, uh, we said that abiding equals residing. That abiding in Christ is living your life in Him. Living your life in Christ. And it's also letting Him, and this is the more important part, letting Him live His life through yours, through every part of you. Letting all of His power and all of His character, all of His strength and and all of His love, all of His attributes, getting out of the way and letting Him live through you and depending on His life and His power to live your life. Uh, That's what we talked about last week. And we also said that when you abide in Christ, when you're living in Him, you're also going to live like Him. And that's another very important part, and that's what will result from living life day in and day out in Jesus. And that's all what it means to abide in Christ. We wrapped up by looking at 1 John 2.6, which says, anyone who says he abides in him, in Jesus, should also walk in the way he walked or live like he lived. And so for the remainder of the series, for the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about what that looks like. If, if we say we abide in Christ, then we should walk the way He walked. We should live the way He lived. And there are many, many different applications of that. We're going to zero in on a few that I think are foundational for the Christian life, for what it means to thrive. You know, if we want to be individuals that thrive and then be a church that thrives, then these areas that we're going to look at specifically are absolutely essential for that to happen. And I'll give you a warning, none of these things are easy by any stretch of the imagination. In fact, these specifics we're going to zero in on, on what it means to walk the way he walked and live the way he lived. These these attributes, these characteristics, these actions that Jesus demonstrated again and again and again throughout his life and his ministry here on earth, they are definitely the hardest things that we are called to do and to live out, all right? Um, But the good news in that is that we were never meant to do any of these things on our own or in our own ability or in our own power. Uh, We have the very power of God, all right, in the Spirit of God who we have in us through Christ, and He's the one that will enable and empower us uh, to walk this walk the way Jesus did, okay? So um, the first specific, uh, specific that we're going to look at that is connected to the way Jesus walked, the way He lived His life, is the area of loving one another. Loving one another. And this, like any of the other uh, areas that we look at, and really like anything in the Christian life, it requires requires connection to and dependence on the vine, which is Jesus. That's what we looked at last week. The fact that Jesus is the vine, and we are the branches. And Jesus said Himself in John 15, 3-4 that we looked at, that just like branches of, of any fruit tree can't bear fruit by themselves on their own, rather they require 
the strength and the life and the vitality and the nutrients of the vine in them to produce that fruit. He said, the same thing is true of you, my disciples. You're branches. I'm the vine. You've got to be connected to me, plugged into me for you to bear any fruit, for there to be anything of value, of eternal value, for you to be effective in the kingdom. You've got to depend on me. I'm your source of strength. I'm your source of life. That's what uh, we spent time considering last week. And so if we are to love one another the way Christ modeled and demonstrated then we too, like the original disciples, have to be completely connected and dependent on our vine, the Lord Jesus Christ. So loving one another. Let's look at that together. In John 13, verses 34-35, through uh, our Lord's words are recorded. And um, John 13, all the way through to the uh, just about the end of the book of John, the Gospel of John, um, starts... Jesus' final discourse with his disciples. Uh, John 13 brings us into those final moments, uh, precious moments, with Jesus and, and his disciples, where he um, takes great, great pains and goes to great lengths to give them kind of final instructions, um, final words that he wants them to take to heart. And so John 13, 34 through 35, Jesus said this to his disciples, a new commandment I give to you, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. And the word that he used for love, it's not limited like our our English word is. Uh, He used the highest, most supreme word for love in the Greek language. That word is agape, agape. And agape means self-sacrificial love. It means unconditional love. It means unending love. Really, all that can be summed up by, by saying it's divine love. It's the love that only God is capable of having in Himself. He doesn't need anybody to give it to him. He doesn't need any extra ability. It's what is natural for God. When we say God is love, it's God is agape. It means he is, he is unending love. He is always self-sacrificing in his love and he is unconditional in that love. And this commandment then, it raises the bar quite a bit, doesn't it? Jesus here isn't just saying, I want you to love each other you know, like, like you can do on your own. I want you to love each other to the extent that you are able to love as humans. That's not what he's saying here. He's taking it to a whole other level. He says, a new commandment I give you that you agape one another. That you love each other to the fullest extent. That there's no end and no limit to your love. That, it, that you love each other in an unconditional manner. That you love each other in an unending way. That no matter what is done to you, you still love that you love each other in a self-sacrificing way. So, that you love one another is the new command. Just as I have loved, and there's that word again, agape, just as I have agaped you, we could, we could say. Just as I have agaped you, you also are to love, same word, one another. I mean, wow! Talk about the gauntlet being laid down. So not only does Jesus say, 
I want you to love each other with with a divine type love, but I want you to love each other in the same expression of love that I have loved you with. Hold on a second. Wait, Jesus, you know who you are, right? I mean, you're Jesus, and I'm me. And you're telling me to love my fellow disciples, my fellow people, my fellow brothers the way you love us? Yep, that's right. You got it. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, no problem, right? And, and think about who the you is that Jesus is talking to here. When he says, a new commandment I give you that you love one another as I have loved you, the you he's talking to is the motley crew of the disciples. And I mean, these were flawed people, right? These were flawed people. I mean, think of Peter, the ringleader. How many times did he put his sandal in his mouth? You know? How many times did he just jump the gun? How many times did he, he just rush right in without thinking, only to be um, clearly reminded of how foolish he could be? How many times did they argue and bicker among themselves about who was going to be greatest in the kingdom of heaven? I mean, right close to when Jesus is about to die, what they're occupied with is who's going to be greatest. Um, there's James and John, the sons of thunder, who said to Jesus one time when there were people um, that, that weren't exactly doing what they thought they should be doing, he said, they said, Lord, do you want us to now call down fire from heaven and consume them? And Jesus is like, really, guys? And then James and John... Um, and their, they got their mom involved. They had the, their, their mom come and ask Jesus if he would guarantee that they would sit one on his left and one on his right side in a place of honor. <laughs> I mean, oh, and how many times after all that Jesus said did they question and doubt and just not get the point? I mean, these were flawed people that he's saying, I love you guys and I've, I've loved you throughout all of this and I'm going to keep loving you. In fact, at the beginning of John 13, verse 1, it says that Jesus, coming to the Passover, realizing that His time on earth was just about over and He was getting ready to return to His Father, having loved His own, these guys, He loved them to the end. And that doesn't just mean to the end at the cross. That means to the fullest extent, to, to the utmost, and forever. These are the guys He loved, these flawed people. Aren't you glad that Jesus loves flawed people? Because <laughs> we resemble that. We are that. We are also flawed. In fact, we are just as much, if not more, flawed as the disciples were. Uh, <laughs> that's why we should really be able to identify with them and take such encouragement from how Jesus responded to them because we should see ourselves right there. Jesus loved flawed people. That's the you he was talking to. And he says, you also are to love one another in the same way I've loved you, in that same unending, unconditional, self-sacrificing way. And then he says this, this is why, guys, I'm, I'm telling you this. This is why this is my new commandment, my fresh commandment I'm giving you. And this is why this is really the last commandment I'm giving you before I go to the cross. It's this important. Here's why. By this... By agapeing one another, by loving one another as I have loved you, by this, all people will know, or be absolutely convinced that you are my disciples if you have love, 
You tell me what the word is. What is it? Agape. If you have agape love for one another. By this. Not by how much you know about me. Not how much you know, facts you can recite. Not by how much Torah you can memorize and recite. Not how much Scripture you know. Not how good you are at singing praise. Not how many ways you can come up with finding creative, edgy ways of, of reaching out to people and getting them to respond to what you say. None of that is going to convince people that you are different. The way you're going to let people know that there's something different about you, the way you let people know your walk is different from theirs, the way you let people know you've been with me and that's why you're changed, is if you love one another. If you love one another the way I've loved you. Wow. Wow. And this, this type of love, this love to the highest degree, love to the utmost, this unconditional, self-sacrificing type love, I mean, you know as well as I do, we can't do that on our own. I, I can't love you like that. You can't love me that way. You can't love even the person in your life you love more than anything and anyone else. You can't love them that way, not in your own doing. You don't have that ability, neither do I. That, that does not mean, though, that the ability is not there. That does not mean that the power to do it isn't available. It just means it's not from within. It means that we have to depend entirely on the vine that is in us, the Lord Jesus Christ, and on the power of His Spirit. That's how we do it. So, not doing it on our own doesn't mean we can't do it. All right, Let's get that clear. Let, let's be clear on that. Uh, let's not use that as an excuse. Oh, well, yeah, I, man, I know I can't agape my fellow brother and sister in Christ, so I guess there's just no hope. I might as well just settle for second best. No, no, it just means depend on the power beyond yourself that you have in and through the Lord Jesus Christ. Very important. Very important. This is what should define us as modern-day disciples of Christ, just as it was to define the original disciples of Christ. D.L. Moody. Most of you know that name. Many of you anyway. D.L. Moody, great um, pastor of, of the, uh, the history of the church, uh, in our modern history anyway. D.L. Moody said this, "...show me a church where there is love, and I will show you a church that is a power in the community." Another way of saying that is, I will show you a church that thrives, which is our theme for the year. And it's what we, we, I think, all agreed on last week. That's what we want. We want to be a church that thrives in the biblical sense of that word. Well, a church that thrives has to be a church that loves. Has to be. And, and a church that does not love, no matter how good they are at everything else, no matter what they have going for them, if, if a church does not love, then it's not really a church that thrives. I didn't put this on the slides, but he also said, very closely related to this, this uh, quote that I, I did show you, he also said, let love replace duty or obligation, routine, 
in our church relations, and the world will soon be evangelized. Let love replace duty in our church relations, and the world will soon be evangelized. I think all that means that loving one another needs to be of the utmost, the highest priority for us, church. Loving one another. If, I mean, if we do nothing else well, that should be what we do. Very, very well. Loving one another. And not just loving one another for love's sake, but loving one another for Christ's sake and loving one another the way He loved. Loving one another as He loves us. And, and you might say, okay, yeah, pastor, I agree with that. I, I get it. You're right. Yes. Amen. But we need to remember together what that actually looks like, what that means, loving like Jesus. Here's what loving like Jesus means. Loving like Jesus means unconditionally loving the unlovely and undeserved. That's what loving like Jesus means. So we, we might say, yeah, I agree, I need to love like Jesus, but okay, buckle up, get ready, because that means it's going to be messy. Loving like Jesus isn't going to be a comfortable affair. It's right. It's what we're called to. It's what we need to do, right? But loving like Jesus, I mean really loving like Jesus, it's going to be messy. Because loving like Jesus means unconditionally, no strings attached, no end to the love. Loving the unlovely and the undeserved. It means I'm going to love people even if I'm not loved in return. It means I'm going to love people even if they don't, humanly speaking, deserve to be loved. And it means I'm not going to love if. You take if out of that. You just erase if. It's just I'm going to love. That's hard. And that's messy. Because that means you're constantly having to put other people ahead of yourself. It means you're going to have to put other people's comfort ahead of your comfort. It means you're going to have to put other people's wants ahead of your desires and your preferences. And that's not just hard. That's impossible. In yourself. In myself. But what is impossible for us is possible with with. With God, absolutely. Which you have the Spirit of God in you if you are in Christ. So that's what it means to love like Jesus. Unconditionally. Loving the unlovely and the undeserved. And, and let's, let's just be real another time here. Um, we all want to be loved like that, don't we? We all want to be loved like that. We all love being loved in this way. Think about the people in your life, the, the times in your life where you have been the recipient of this kind of love, where you've been on the receiving end, where people have loved you so well, they have loved you with the love of Christ. You know what that's like. You know how great that feels. You know how wonderful of an experience that is. And we also know how great uh, it is um, when... When people do that, 
uh, when we know we don't deserve it. Like when we know we've blown it and there is no way we deserve to be given any kind of love and yet we're given it anyway. We know what that's like. We also know how bad it is when we're not. When we're not shown love like that. When, when this kind of love is not demonstrated for us. We know and we feel that lack and how empty and how awful that is. Well, part of loving like Jesus as His followers, it's, it's really kind of taken the golden rule approach. You know the golden rule? Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. That's the, the real golden rule. Sometimes we get that messed up uh, and we flip it around and twist it, but that's what it really means. Apply that to, to love. Love one another as you would like to be loved. That's the way we need to go about it. A necessary question, a necessary question uh, is, am I loving others like that? Am I loving others like that? That's something that we all need to, to ask. Um, it, it's, it's something that we can intellectually accept everything I'm saying. You can, you can hear it and you can agree with it. And you can say, oh, yep, that's right. Uh, that's absolutely right. And uh, I agree. But the question needs to be a more personal one and a more practical one. Um, am I loving others that way? Am I, am I extending that to other people? Um, it's, it's easy to love people that are like us, that agree with us, you know, that uh, do what we want them to do. That, that's easy. That's easy. That, that comes pretty naturally. But it's hard, very, very hard, to love those that are different than us, that think differently than we do, or do the opposite of what we want them to do. That's where loving people is hard. But uh, that actually describes most people, doesn't it? People that are different than us, people that think differently than we do, and people that do opposite of what we want them to do. That's most people. And that's the people that really come under the category of needing to be loved the way Jesus loved. Uh, and, and here's the thing. It, it's hard to love others well because it's so easy to love ourselves more. It's, it's so hard to love other people well. It's hard to love people Christ, in Christ-like love, the way Jesus loved us. The reason that's so hard is because it's just so easy and natural to love ourselves more. And you, and you might be sitting there thinking, well, yeah, maybe, but, but you know, I, I actually have a really hard time loving myself at all. And I'm not saying that that's not possible. And that's a whole other conversation. But even when we, we don't love ourselves well in some areas, there are always going to be other areas where we find it all too easy to love ourselves well. And most of the time, for most people, for most people, for most people, most of us, most of the time, it's not hard for us at all to love ourselves and to elevate ourselves way, way up high and keep everybody else way, way down low. 
and to not love others the way we are supposed to love them, to not love them well, to not love them in a Christ-like manner or in Christ-like love. So, am I loving others like that? That needs to be the question. Or am I loving myself supremely in this area or that area of my life? What, what area of my life am I agapeing myself but not agapeing someone else? That's the kind of question we need to ask. Because loving ourselves more than other people, that's not Christ-like love. Not at all. Never. Um, and while that comes naturally as humans, that, that comes naturally. Can you agree with me on that? That comes easy. You know, not loving others higher or more than myself. While that comes naturally as humans, as believers, we're called to live and love supernaturally. Church, that's what we're called to. We're not called to live and love what in ways that are natural to us. We're called to live and love supernaturally in the power of the Spirit of God in us. We're called to live and love like Christ. And here's how Jesus loves. Here's what Christ-like love looks like and what it does. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7. And it's, um, it's probably something you've heard many times at weddings. Uh, this is a, a passage of scripture that's often read at, at weddings and, and it's fitting that it is. It's fitting that it's often used in a wedding ceremony because What's described here is the Christ-like love that is needed for any relationship, but especially the husband and wife relationship. We kind of briefly hit on that last week, where the wife is supposed to submit to the husband as the the head over her and the family, and, and husbands are supposed to love their wives. There's that agape word again, as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. So it's fitting that this passage is used because this describes Christ-like love, and more than that, it describes Christ. I mean, 1 Corinthians 13, 4-7, as it talks about love, it's really pointing a great big arrow to Jesus Himself. Because love has a name, and it's Jesus. 1 Corinthians 13, 4-7, here's what Christ-like love looks like and does. Verse 4, love is patient and kind. Quite a contrast to how we often love, or our lack of love. Quite a contrast to how we often act and go about life, right? Love, Christ-like love, is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way which is, again, quite a contrast to how we often act and function. It is not irritable or resentful. Ooh, that's a hard one. That's painful, right? There's an arrow right into the heart. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things. No matter what the weight that is put on it, no matter what it faces, it bears all things. It believes all things. It keeps and holds the faith no matter what. 
It hopes all things, no matter how hopeless a situation might seem. And it endures all things, no matter what comes at it. Again, this is the kind of love that you are not going to be able to manufacture or maintain in and by yourself. It's just not possible. We can't, we can't do that, humanly speaking. But we can absolutely do that, spiritually speaking, supernaturally, with the empowerment of the Spirit of God. And that's what Christ-like love looks like and what it does. So, bringing it back to the practical, bringing it back to our context for why we're gathering and the way we are gathered today. We are gathered here not as individuals, but as a church body, right? This building became Faith Baptist Church when you came in the doors. What makes Faith Baptist Church is not this building. It's not our resources here. It's it's not the facilities. What makes it Faith Baptist Church is you and me. So we're here as the church. And we said last week, and we're going to say over and over again in many different ways throughout the year, we want to be, we need to be a church that thrives. And we thrive by abiding, right? So with our conversation today about love and loving one another the way Christ loved us, let me just put it to you this way. A church thrives when its people love Jesus and they love each other like Jesus loves. That's when a church thrives. Let's make it more personal. Our church, this church, will thrive when we, its people, will love Jesus first and will love each other like Jesus loves. Then, then we'll be a church that thrives. And I will say only then, only then, will we really be a church that thrives. Let me leave you with a challenge. It's really a question that would be followed up with, with some specific action, okay? Is there someone specific? Here's the question. Is there someone specific that you haven't been loving well or at all? Is there someone specific? And you can even maybe extend that to, is there, is there a group of people? that you haven't been loving well, like we talked about here in the minutes earlier, uh, in a Christ-like manner, in the the way that we are loved by Jesus, is there someone specific you haven't been loving well or at all, uh, like Jesus loves us and how how He calls us to love one another? That's that's what I'm talking about. And here's the, the really the challenge part of that question. I want you to have the courage to ask the Holy Spirit, don't don't ask someone else, ask the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, the Spirit of truth, which you have in you through your relationship with Christ, ask the Holy Spirit to reveal that to you. I mean, with all sincerity. 
And the reason I said have the courage to do that is because it's going to take courage. You're going to have to be brave enough to ask him that. Because if you ask him that with, with all sincerity, with all of your heart, then he's, he's going to do it. I mean, he will reveal that to you. If, you. if you say, Spirit of God, I really do want you to reveal to me if there is anyone or, or any group of people that I have not been loving well the way Christ loves me and the way he called me to love. If I've not been doing that well, reveal that to me. And then get ready because, because he'll do it. Okay, And when he does, it's not a question of if, when he reveals that to you, when he answers that question, then ask him to empower you to actually start loving them like Jesus. So be brave enough to say, Holy Spirit, is there anybody I'm not loving well the way Jesus loves me and the way he called me to love? And then when he reveals that, act on it. But don't act in your strength and your power. That will get you nowhere. Act in his power and say, Holy Spirit, now that you've revealed that to me, please empower me to go out and love them differently now, to love them better, to love them in Christ-like love, in agape love, because I, I, I can't do it. You're going to have to do it through me. And church, my fellow Christian, imagine, just imagine how different our lives and our church will look if we would all continually do that. <laughs> Think about that. If we would all continually do that and act and function that way, if we would all constantly be coming to the Spirit of God that we have in us, dwelling in us, and saying, Holy Spirit, is there anyone or any group of people I'm not loving well? Would you reveal that to me? And when He does, then we act and we apply it and we say, okay, help me to go out and love them in Christ-like love from this point on. If we would all do that, how different would our lives look? How different, how much better would our relationships be? How much more beautiful would our church be? That, that would be thriving. That would be thriving. Don't you want that? Don't you want that? I want that. I want that for me. I want that for you. I want that for our church. And it all truly starts with loving one another. Amen. You with me?